Today's episode is sponsored by The Juice, which is like the Spotify for marketing content. If you're trying to learn how to be great at marketing, they have curated all kinds of great playlists and collections of content of all kinds from the best thinkers in marketing today. And we're using our ad spaces to shout out creators that we admire who teach other marketers how to be great. To do that, we're asking a very simple question of these creators. What does it mean to be a modern day marketer today? This answer comes from Chelsea Castle. Chelsea is the director of content for Chili Piper and a journalist turned empathy driven marketer. When I think of a modern day marketer, I think of people who aren't afraid to challenge the status quo, who don't recoil at doing something bold, thinking differently or rethinking altogether. A marketer who knows that the way it's always been done has no place in our world today. A modern day marketer evolves every day and whatever their role, they create to serve their audience first and foremost. It's a phrase I love because there's not just one definition of it and it's constantly changing. And it really represents a community of marketers that I'm grateful to learn from and reminds me of what kind of marketer I strive to be every day. To learn more from Chelsea, visit her creator page on The Juice or follow her on Twitter. You can check the show notes for a link. And thank you to The Juice. You can explore their curated library of the best thinking and thinkers in marketing today completely for free at thejuicehq.com. Hey, it's Jay, and it's time for another one-shot, the short-form monologue episodes that we run to complement the longer-form story-style productions. If those stories are helpful to get other people's perspectives on the themes we care about, then these are me trying to respond to questions that you ask or ideas that I see swirling in the world around me. So they're from my perspective, and they're a complement to the big stories. All right, today's one-shot is called 10 Questions to Ask Creative People. Intrinsic motivation. That's the secret. I'm just kidding. There are no secrets. There's only hard work done with the right intent. There are no secrets. Please view anybody selling you their secrets with extreme skepticism. Still, intrinsic motivation plays a major role in how creative, productive, and successful we are. When you're intrinsically motivated, you are moment-oriented. The work is not a chore. To use two terms from game theory and psychology... When you are intrinsically motivated, the work feels paratelic. When it feels like a chore, it feels telic. We want to avoid work that feels telic. Instead, we want to enjoy the here and now. In work terms, that means you enjoy the process. And when we enjoy the process, two things happen that improve our work. Number one, we seek it out more. And number two, we find ways to improve it. I am intrinsically motivated to create episodes of this show and create shows for my clients. And as a result, I've tried to do it a lot and find ways to get better at it constantly. I think that's all creativity really is, as you maybe have heard me say a million times right here in this space, repetition plus reinvention over time. You do a thing, then you make it better or different, and then you do it again over time. That's creativity. That's a creative career. It goes without saying, I say before saying it, but figuring all this stuff out is not that obvious. But I do believe it can be simplified or at least simpler than the complexity of intrinsic motivation, telic, paratelic, all of these ideas that seem dense and seem just out of reach in our practical everyday lives. One way to make the complexity simpler is to learn to ask better questions questions. And when you're interviewing somebody, whether it's for a show or as I've done in the past to hire them, 
asking better questions really does lead to better answers, better material, better insights than you could have learned otherwise. So here are 10 questions that I've used before when building teams of creative people, when I've interviewed folks to see, are they actually going to create great work if I hire them? Or maybe I'm just trying to get to know somebody over a coffee or a drink. Regardless, if you'd like to learn somebody's creative motivation, are they intrinsically motivated to create? Here are 10 great questions to ask them. Number one, what's something you absolutely loved writing or creating? And why did you love it? It can be from a job, a side project, your education, anything. Why do I ask this question? I love opening with this because you skip the formalities of an interview and you get right to their very best work. It also helps you shape the conversation when you ask follow-ups based on that idea. So why this piece? Why'd you pick it? What's the backstory? What did you love about it? If it was a long time ago, then you might ask them, why haven't you written or created anything else that you love even more than that one since all those years ago? What's something you absolutely loved writing or creating and why did you love it? Question two. What's a side project you launched, whether or not it's currently running and whether or not it's related to your work directly at all? Why do I ask this question? I think we should hire more tinkerers, regardless of the role, people who tinker on the side. If someone takes the initiative, whether it's five minutes a week or five hours a week, to pursue their own curiosity and interests without letting any gatekeepers stop them, if someone is finding the time to create stuff, regardless of how busy their lives get, and they make creating a priority in their life, it reveals a profound and intrinsic desire to create and to learn. Personally, side projects have been like the slingshots to my career. For example, I remember my first interview for my very first full-time job after college when I wound up working for Google. And during that time, multiple managers asked me about this side blog I had about sports. It's still online, gathering digital dust. It's called All Star Blog. Still waiting for the lucrative offer to buy that amazing URL. But I worked on All Star Blog for several years as a student all throughout college when I wanted to be a sports writer. The Google managers wanted to understand my thinking and my process and how I navigated the ambiguity of pursuing something that no one is assigning to you. How did I do something I wasn't simply instructed to do and why? At the time, I was surprised they focused so much on this dinky little blog that had like 12 readers and my mom hit it once in a while. Now it makes perfect sense. Side projects reveal so much about a person. By the way, when I turned 30, I counted the side projects that I launched between my first job at Google and age 30. 35 side projects, and I've since realized I missed a few. Exactly one side project ever drove revenue. You're listening to it. Exactly zero ever went viral or got thousands of anything, especially right away, because creativity doesn't unfold that way. It's not about the hits. It's about the practice. It's the muscle. Side projects are like the gym. So my encouragement to you is to find ways to start working out, even if you haven't done so yet. Please. It could be five minutes a week. That question again, what's a side project you launched, whether or not it's currently running, and whether or not it's related to your work directly at all? Question number three. Pretend I could give you two years of money far more than you need to just live, and you didn't need to work anywhere to receive this money. But there is a catch. To receive this money, you'd have to write a blog or create a podcast or a newsletter or something else consistently about literally any topic you wanted, anything at all. 
what would you write about and why? Why this question? I call this the big bag of money question, and it is my favorite. I love asking this so much. The answers are so fruitful. This question helps you understand whether someone has that all-important intrinsic desire to create, that motor to make, and that imagination and relentless pursuit of curiosity. Those who do will immediately light up and excitedly tell you their answer. Those who don't will either pander to you to try and earn your favor or they'll struggle to answer. A pandering answer might be like, if you're interviewing for a marketing tech company, they might say immediately, I'd write about SEO. Someone actually told me that. Really, if you get paid a ton of money to write about anything, you'd write about SEO? No, you would not. Stop that. You stop that right now. It's wonderful that you love SEO for your day job, but I'm literally giving you carte blanche. And fine, if that actually is your answer, I have to dig to affirm that. But mostly it feels like pandering when you're interviewing for a marketing tech company to say something like that. I think we all harbor these weird but wonderful quirks and interests. And we all wonder at some point in life, wouldn't it be great if? Well, I want to know who you truly are when I ask this question on two levels. What interests you away from work? But also, do you have that intrinsic desire to create? Do I see that spark where you light up, given permission to pursue whatever you want to pursue? Because we all need to bring our full selves to the work we create in some ways. By the way, as an aside, I recognize that people can feel really uncomfortable answering truthfully. Perhaps the SEO answer could be a reflex, a desire not to mess up, not to fail in an interview setting. And I get it. So when I used to get answers that pandered or felt stiff or uncertain, I'd share my own really geeky aspirations to create an environment between us where the other person could feel comfortable being a geek and being honest too. I'd then reassure them I wanted to know their deepest, geekiest answer, not something superficially relevant to this job. And they'd often get excited, drop the pretense, and give me their real answer. So that question again, pretend I could give you two years of money, more than you need to live, and you didn't need to work anywhere, but there's a catch. To receive this money, you'd have to write a blog about literally any topic you wanted, anything at all. What would you write about and why? Question number four, who or what inspires you? What are your go-to sources to get excited? What do you read, watch, or listen to? Why do I ask this question? A, you get to see whether or not they're going outside their echo chamber to learn and get inspired in order to avoid rigid conventional practices and in order to become a well-rounded thinker and maker and b the people they admire will heavily influence what they enjoy doing and creating so you if you're hiring them should be prepared for that asking this question reveals a ton about the person and their innermost aspirations and it helps you if you're hiring somebody whether full-time or part-time to start thinking through whether or not you'd want to work with a distant echo of the inspirational people they mentioned because their work is going to be informed by what inspires them. If I'm interviewing a marketer and they immediately say they're inspired by Gary Vaynerchuk, I have some distant idea of what they might be like or what they value as compared to somebody who says Brene Brown. And both those people will be very different than someone who cites a famous musician or painter. So that question again, who or what inspires you? What are your go-to sources to get excited? What do you read, watch, or listen to? Question number five, how did you prepare for this interview? Why do I ask this question? 
I want to know how they prepare for things in general. Do they go beyond the superficial to dig deeper? Do they actually put in the time to research and prep or are they winging it? Do you want that type of person working with you or not? The question again, how did you prepare for this interview? Question number six, where do you disagree with my or our thinking, opinions, or approach? Why do I ask this question? Hiring a group of people that all constantly agree with each other, historically, not awesome. Personally, I want to know that I'm not surrounded by sycophants. I don't want people who think exactly the same way I do. While shared beliefs and values might be important, so is cognitive diversity. I love working with people who are frustrated by similar problems that then necessitates the stuff we're building, but who aren't so sure about how we go about it. I want them to challenge my ideas because ideas get better when they're exposed to friction. Creativity improves when you have to put your ego aside and treat projects like problems up on a whiteboard that you have to poke at and revisit and improve. That's what ideas should be. They're not proxies for your own self-worth. So you shouldn't surround yourself with people who will just perpetuate your biases that your ideas are great. By the way, a bonus benefit of asking this question is you'll learn how they prepared for the interview too. It does connect to question number five. They can't really answer what they disagree with unless they really spent some time with your work and considering your work. Also, this is another question where the environment you create matters a ton for them to answer honestly. So you might have to reassure them that you genuinely want a team full of diverse perspectives and tactful, respectful disagreement. And then maybe that gives them permission to answer honestly. But like with any interview, you're going to ask a multitude of questions. So it's really a portfolio approach to understanding somebody. If this doesn't work, you might move on So that question again. Where do you disagree with my or our thinking, opinions, or approach? Question number seven. Of all the things required of you in your work, what gives you energy? Why this question? It helps you understand what they truly get excited about and then want to lean into more in their career. Rather than ask about passion, which is always a bit nebulous, it's not always aligned with what they're good at either. When you ask someone what gives them energy, that's how you better understand their feelings about various parts of past projects or entire jobs. So that question, of all the things required of you in your work, what gives you energy? Of course, we have to visit the other side of that. So question number eight, of all the things required of you in your work, what drains you of energy? Why this question? The inverse of that last question is equally important to ask. And while it can be hard for people to talk about what they dislike, it's just as vital for you to understand it. To ensure I get honest answers, I often start this question by saying something reassuring. I might say, look, we all have these things in our work. I certainly do. So please feel free to be honest. If you can't describe anything, I'd actually be worried you were putting on a show here. So I value transparency. I want to ensure this opportunity can mold to the person too. So feel free to be honest. And this gives them a kind of permission to answer openly. If it doesn't work and they're still too formal, I might give an example from my work, but I hesitate to start with the example. And this is important. If you offer an example from your work first, people tend to latch onto that and give you their version of it. So I've gotten way too many answers that basically sound like, you know, I'd actually say the same thing as you. I'm also drained of energy when I encountered that thing, Jay. And so now I don't lead with my examples anymore. I try to give them permission. And if they still aren't getting it, only then will I give them an example from my work. Okay, that question again, of all the things required of you in your work, what drains you of energy? 
Question number nine of 10. Can you explain the process behind and then you state a project they've built? So why do I ask this question? Well, sometimes I actually wait and ask this question when they're past the discussion portion of the interview. So for finalists of any kind of role that I'm hiring for, including freelancers, I'll often assign a real project that I might even use publicly. So let's say I'm hiring a social media producer. I might say, take a listen to this five or 10 minute section of an episode of my show and then find two audiograms you'd create and go ahead and create them. And because it's actual work I'm asking of a freelancer, I'll pay them something, even if I don't end up hiring them. So the question about explaining the process behind something, I might wait if I plan to assign them a project. But for anybody, even before you reach that phase, it's still good to ask about the process behind something they created at a past job or on the side. It's really helpful to keep it simple too. Walk me through what you did. The abilities to communicate clearly about the work, this kind of meta skill, this communication skill, not just creative skill, it matters. Can they articulate why they structured the piece that way? Did they have a strategy? Did they put good process to their ambitious endeavors? Or are they just driven by energy and enthusiasm, which might break down as we do things consistently together? There's so many things you can figure out by just asking someone to explain their thought process and their actions behind a project, whereas you can only see the end result of that process without the question. That question again, can you explain the process behind this project? And lastly, number 10, what questions do you have for me? So why do I ask this question? Here is the exact answer you don't want. Huh? Uh, nope, I'm good. I think you answered everything as we spoke. That response makes my heart sink. Where's the curiosity? That's the engine driving all of creativity, the pursuit of curiosity. So theirs should be evident in the way they prepared before chatting with you and evident during the conversation. They should have questions and lots of them. You're telling me that you're vetting an opportunity, a new client job for you, a freelancer, a new full-time role for you, the in-house creator or marketer. That is a massive step in your career. And you're telling me you have no questions after what, maybe an hour together? They should have lots of questions. And I'll often add some qualifiers to this question when I ask it. You can ask me about me and my work, the projects we do together, this specific role, anything. I'm an open book about anything relating to my business. And by the way, given how revealing and important this question actually is, I know I'm listing it 10th here. I've often used it as the first question in some interviews. So that 10th and final question again, what questions do you have for me? Although there's no one right way to run an interview when hiring, or when interviewing somebody for your content, like your blog or your show, I do think we need to avoid the common, rote, obvious questions. Anything we can kind of anticipate how they'd answer, why are we asking that? I also think we need to avoid the mind-boggling brain teasers. I don't care how many manhole covers are in New York City. I care how you think. And there's better, more job-adjacent questions I can ask to understand how you think. Don't just ask the basics found on their resume. Dig deeper and get to know them, the person, and whether they're intrinsically motivated to create. Likewise, don't trot out a bunch of trivia-based weirdness. Again, if you get clever, make it about the work itself, like my big bag of money question. Who we work with and how we work together are among the most transformational things to our careers. So why not master the ability 
to connect with others during an interview the same way we master anything about our crafts, by questioning the best practices and trying to think for ourselves. These 10 questions are a collection of how I've tried to do that, but I hope you come up with your own questions too. By asking better questions during the interview process, not only do we learn more about others, but we better understand how we and the role we're offering might help them too, or maybe not. And that's the difference between hiring an employee or freelancer and hiring a colleague. That's the difference between ineffectual top-down control and true collaboration that leads to better things, the things we are most intrinsically motivated to create. Thanks for listening. This episode was written and edited by me, Jay Akunzo, and produced by Alana Nevins. If you have any questions about my work ever, whether it's the episode content, the show overall, maybe my client work, making high-quality docu-series and podcasts for B2B brands, email me. I'm Jay at unthinkablemedia.com. As an independent creator, I rely on the support of listeners like you. Two really easy ways to lend your support to the show and ensure we keep going are number one, share it with one friend. That's it. One friend. If you enjoyed it, if you got value from it, who else might in your network, send it to them. Just one person. It really does go a long way. Or secondly, join my newsletter if you're not there already. The newsletter is where a lot of these one-shot scripts begin and improve, and a lot of ideas and stories that never make it onto the show are also found in the newsletter. You can join thousands of creators, both in-house on marketing teams, entrepreneurs, people building their brands, and independent creators. Visit jayakunzo.com to learn more or check your show notes for a link to subscribe. I'm back next week with a brand new episode of the show. Until then, as always, I got to tell you to keep making what matters. Bye-bye. Thank you once again to our sponsor, The Juice. They're like Spotify for B2B content. I think somewhere along the way, marketing organizations and even individuals who create content for other marketers started to lose sight of the fact that the job is to help educate your audience. They stopped putting the help first and started to over-engineer some kind of lead, click, placement on Google search. You get it. The Juice believes in tearing that old system down and rebuilding B2B marketing to be what it should be for, which is learning, great ideas, and great resources. So if you are in marketing today, to find some of the best and smartest thinking about your craft, visit thejuicehq.com, sign up for free, and get lots of great resources from some of the brightest minds in your field right now. That's thejuicehq.com.